T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. To figure out today on this show, I'm Mark Grody. Steve Rosenblum is at a kegger today with Adam Stadzinski for some reason. We'll try to sort that out a little bit later on. And so, in his place today is one of the early founding fathers of Saturday Suckage. It is Mike Esposito. What's going on, Espo? How are you, buddy? It's good to be back, and uh, I'm trying to figure this out now, because initially, I was in for you, and then we were in for Peruk, but I can't remember who I'm in for now, because I think I'm in for Steve, yes, or are you are. in for Steve? Yeah, Steve has one day to work a week, and he took it <laughs> off to go to a kegger with Adam Stadzinski, so it's just so weird. On point. Yeah, yeah. and uh, maybe we'll try to contact one of them before they're doing keg stands, but that's what I understand from what I'm seeing on Twitter, at least from Studs. And so with Studs not here, Cesar Perez is on the other side of the glass making radio magic. And Espo, we got a we got a lot to talk about today. And he, first of we all, got- let me give you the the guest rundown for the d- 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 sure. today. We will have at eleven forty. We will talk about the Chicago Bulls with Cody Westerland of six seventy thescorecom He was at the Bulls game. I presume he was at the Bulls game last night. If they're allowing media to be back there, I certainly hope that yes. they are at this point. Good. Um, Mike Esposito also did the post game show right here on six seventy the score. So I'm looking forward to your insights on the Bulls as well at twelve twenty. We will talk to Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times. He will tell us how in the world will the Bears be able to beat Tampa Bay, Mike. And that will be one of our themes of the show later on today. We know the Bears are huge underdogs, and they should be, and nobody is picking the Bears, and you shouldn't be picking the Bears. But we got to figure out, if the Bears are to win the game, how would they do it tomorrow? Should you even pick the Bears to cover is a good question. I don't but, know. Uh, we'll see. I, I, <laughs> we, we're going to try to come up with good ways. <laughs> we're going to try to come up with with uh, ways, methods in which your beloved Chicago Bears 
Ken Best, Tom Brady, and the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, we've got all sorts of possibilities. We'll hear from uh, Gene Deckerhoff in Tampa Bay. He is the the mighty play-by-play man, and uh, he, he gave me a little bit of – intel on maybe he didn't know he was but a little bit of intel on how maybe the bears can exploit tampa bay on sunday so looking forward to getting to that we will also go live to tampa bay today hey. at 120 and we will talk to a buccaneers guy tam or make that uh, pat donovan of wdae radio in tampa bay and pat donovan i would argue sounds exactly like a lot of people in chicago pat donovan <laughs> is a chicago name that's not a <laughs> tampa bay it. name right no. It sounds like he's right off of the super fan skit, my friend. <laughs> totally. So, so when I was told, I was told by a, a the program director in at that radio station. His name is John Rock Momola, who Rock. used to yeah used to work here at the Score, one of the former stars here at the Score, uh, one of the great producers here. And he told me that Pat Donovan, he is like the most. Buxy of the Buccaneers guys at his at his shop. So, okay, so this so, will be fun then. Yeah, so I got some powerful messaging from the powerful Rock Mamola on Pat Donovan. So hopefully Pat Donovan will will live up to that, and we'll just let Pat go and talk all about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And maybe Pat can tell us how the Bears can beat the Buccaneers. It it could be it could be we get some intel from Pat. Uh, your play by play connection sounds promising as well because. Really, I think I think Matt Nagy and company are depending on you and I and our listeners, of course, via text uh, at 312-644-6767 to come up with ways in which tomorrow's game goes our way. Right. And I we'll think get, they're waiting for us. Yeah, and we'll jam into that in earnest in, in just a little bit. And I'm glad you mentioned the phone number because that is the text number as well. 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. If you would like to call this here show with Mike Esposito and Mark Grody, we are both a Available on Twitter. I am at Mark Grody Sports. Espo, what are you on Twitter? Espo something or other? Yeah, at Espo670. Simple and wonderful. There it is. There it is. So, And I'm on Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, all sorts of social media forums if you would like to discuss and become friends in that particular way. I do want to start, though, today, Espo, with... The Chicago Bulls and the the Bulls with a 128-112 win over New Orleans. And the Bulls are 2-0. Last night was a straight-up blast to watch. Because one of the things that I was saying right before pregame last night on the score, I was on for, you know, at 6 o'clock last night. One of the things that I said was a a thing that I don't want to hear a lot of this year is – these guys are it's they're just learning to play together. Like by the time game 21 or 22 comes around, like like we've been hearing that every single year under every single regime, whether it was Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade and um and Jimmy Butler, that crew and then the three alphas, you mean. Yeah, the three alphas under Fred <laughs> Hoiberg and then on to Jim Boylan where every year it's been can can Larry Markinen and Zach Levine play together? My goodness. And now we have this team here where there's all sorts of new guys, and I get it. That's going to be part of the narrative that, you know, can DeMar DeRozan play with Zach Levine? Can can Lonzo Ball get get it to everybody? Is Vucevic going to fit in here? I understand that, there, that you're going to need some time to incorporate and figure things out, but I don't I just don't want to hear that this year. And 
and last night, Espo, I think was was pretty encouraging in that regard because those guys look pretty good playing together, don't they? Absolutely. No, and that was uh, on our post game. And, and thank you for the plug. Uh, I will be doing a, a bunch of post games for the Bulls along with Rick Camp this season. And uh, talking to Bill Wennington on the post game show, the first thing I said to him right off the bat, I was as enthusiastic as you were. I said, I said, that was exciting. There was tons of energy and that was fun watching these guys play together because it certainly has taken them uh, what I guess you get them the first half of the Pistons game on opening night to get uh, to get to know each other. And then from there on, it's been fine. And last night, the uh, Pelicans, uh, this was not a close game at all. The Bulls opened an 11 point lead in the first quarter. They were up almost 20 at the half. And the closest New Orleans got after that, I want to say, is at the very end when uh, Billy Donovan emptied his bench. But otherwise, this is a team, uh, Lonzo Ball uh, operating from the point and really running the show. Zach is smooth as silk out there. He really looks uh, like the star that he is. DeMar DeRozan picked it up in the first quarter yesterday, carrying the team there. Uh, Vooch didn't really do much yesterday, and really not much was required of him yesterday and the bench. Is, is there an Alex Caruso statue outside the United Center yet? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, you know what? Two games, right, but I, I, I know. I'm. Well, no, no, no. I, I know you're being facetious here, but I, I yes. do want to say this, and I didn't mean this to necessarily be right at the top, but since you mentioned it, let's not do the Alex Caruso MVP chance when he's at the free throw uh, line. Agreed. And then they do it with Zach. So it felt meaningful when they were doing it for Zach Levine, and then yes. they do the mocking thing with Alex Caruso. Bulls fans at the United Center, let's not do this thing where everybody that goes up to the free throw line in a feel-good game, you're chanting MVP. Because then, that I mean, Levine had to have been like, oh, so when they did it for me, it actually didn't mean anything because that we are all projecting this love on Alex Caruso. And yes, he, everybody loves a hustle player, and that's what Alex Caruso is. But I was a little embarrassed when they did the MVP thing in game two, in game two. Agre- Agreed, because I also loved it when they did it for Zach, because and we've talked about this on and off during the uh, the Bulls postgame shows throughout the preseason and then uh, so far in the regular season. Zach, he has he has really, you know, for those of us that were uh, a little uh, hesitant to to crown him as a superstar and certainly coming over in the trade, he's really had to prove himself year after year. He has shown improvement year after year. I think the Olympic experience was huge for him. But I really see him having evolved into that guy. I mean, he's one of a handful of those guys in the league where you know, I mean, Zach had zero points in the first quarter last night, and he finishes with 32. He had he has streaks where he's just going to make every shot imaginable, where he's going to score every point for your team for a five or six minute span. And he did that in the second quarter last night. But he really, to me, has elevated his game every year. And it's great to see, and it's great to have on this Bulls team, of course. So I thought the MVP stuff for him was wonderful. I I was uh, genuinely happy to hear it. I agree with you, and I, of course, was being facetious on the Crusoe stuff. because No, it's just, it's one of those things. And, you know, Chicago loves its grindy, hustly, you know, guy that comes off the bench and provides a spark. We always have. We always will. He is that guy, but he is good. But he's that guy. He's coming off the bench. He's not your Olympian. He's not the MVP of the league. I was jokingly saying, but he is a spark because that was one thing you definitely got from that bench, whether it was Caruso or Javante Green, uh, Troy Brown Jr. They came in and provided energy. They provided a spark, uh, and they played well. And we can talk more about uh, you know the depth and the rotation and 
you know, Io got into the last two minutes last night. He didn't really uh, play a ton after playing a lot in the opener. Uh, but the Bulls, yeah, I mean, as a texter just points out, Peoria Matt, thank you for this. The Bulls look like a modern NBA team, finally. Yes, they do. I think they do. They do, and they did. And, Z- Z- yeah, the, the triple-double was slick by Lonzo Ball for sure. But I'm with you on Zach Levine. You know what he looks like? Just straight, And he's always been terrific. There, he just looks really dangerous because he's hitting those step-back threes. And then towards the end of the game, he is just j- having his way to the basket. That, that, there's some, there's an unstoppable trait right now about, and has been, with Zach Levine. That's a really hard guy to defend if he's nailing those threes with the assurity that he did last night. And then he could just be like, all right, here I am, top of the key, one quick step, you know, to one dribble, and he's at the basket. And it's just like the danger level has gone from like maybe like a six or a seven to an eight or nine right now with him. And you mentioned it too, that he didn't start, score a point until the second quarter. He didn't score a point until about five and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. And the bull, and this was one of the best parts about the game. The Bulls were, and I get it, New Orleans without Zion Williamson, not a particularly good team. They're not organized mm-hmm. yet. However, however, with five and a half minutes to go in the second quarter, Zach Levine hits that three from the left corner, and the Bulls are already up double digits at that point. And so Zach Levine did the thing where he was like, all right, I, I, I'm not going to score until I feel like I absolutely have to. And, oh, boy, did he get his then. What did he end up with, 20 in the first half of the game? So, like, 20 points in five and a half minutes? Is that right, Espo? I, I want to say, and I don't have it in front of me, but it was it was something like that. And he scored, uh, I don't know how many consecutive baskets for the Bulls in that second quarter. And, you know, Chuck and Bill were talking about it on, on the broadcast here on The Score in the Bulls radio network. You know, DeMar DeRozan was carrying the Bulls early. Zach, once he scored his first basket, it was like, here's 10, right? I mean, you're going you're gonna to get, you know, your next 15 or so points from Zach. And he finishes the game with 32. Uh, he makes his free throws. His field goal percentage is, is uh, north of 50. Um, he's just, to me, he's really elevated his game. It's, it looks smooth. It looks real. It looks sustainable, um, and it looks fantastic. And I love it. And you know, Lonzo Ball too. The the uh, oh, oh, by the way, from from the, to the three one two. Who says yeah. pump the brakes? Two wins versus Pistons and Pelicans. What the hell are you talking about? We're talking about the great moments of a game last night. You, the texter, obviously did not watch the game last night. We are just a, we are talking about what happened in the game last night. Nobody said anything about the Bulls being a top three seed or anything like that. We're talking about encouraging things. So take your LOL and stuff it. KMA, <laughs> KMA to the three one two. I mean, really, hey. like pump the brakes. Two wins versus Pistons and Pelicans. LOL. What is the point of that text message? And listen, we're 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 having fun because listen, as long suffering Bulls fans, we've lived through the Jim Boylan era. Uh, they flashed a graphic after the Bulls beat the Pistons on opening night. It was their first time over five hundred, and I don't remember how long, but it was a long time. And that's obviously not good. That means you can't even win your opener and you've not elevated yourself above 500 at any point during any season. Uh, So we're having a little fun. And yes, I I get it. You're having fun with the Caruso MVP stuff, but it means something if you're doing it for Zach, if you're doing it for Caruso, 
we we get it, but it's not in the same vein. Right? Yeah. So this this is for you, boy. I didn't I didn't know that. I see Steve is not here. I have to get angry at the textures today. Seven oh eight seven oh eight. You guys are lame, and this one is directed at me. So I, I will replace you guys with Grody. You are lame. Sports are supposed to be fun. Let people chant MVP for Caruso. You're a moron if you think it's mocking. It's absolutely mocking. It is a crowd being ironic. Do you think anybody in that crowd actually thinks that he's the MV- MVP? Is a real thing, and when you chant it for Zach Levine and then then you you chanted for Alex Caruso. You are absolutely dumbing down and lessening Zach Levine. So I love. Hey, have a blast at the United Center. But if we're going to do this MVP thing, yeah, it is, that is a form of mocking. Same, same with when they did it for Brian Scalabrini. It's kind right. it, like it's fun. It's fun watching those guys. It's fun watching Alex Caruso. I like Alex Caruso. Don't put me into into a corner where I where people think I don't like Alex Caruso. But chanting MVP for Caruso is dumb. Agreed. And uh, it, it reminded me a little of, you know, the the uh, 15th man on the bench gets in or whether it's college basketball, the walk on gets in and, you know, they, they feed him the ball till he makes a basket and then he gets a huge ovation. It kind of reminded me a little of that. And I love what Alex Crusoe brings to the sure. team. Sure, But Zach Levine deserves your MVP chance and is playing. Uh, in that realm, at least, uh, Caruso, I get what you're saying, uh, but we will we will dedicate you, or we will nominate you, Mark, for the Get Off My Lawn Award for Saturday morning. That's right. Uh, I, I just need to temper people a little bit. Let's <laughs> let's give let's give respect to the guys that really could be MVPs. Let let's give it to Zach Levine when he steps to the free throw line, and that that's about it. Let's not do it with Alex Caruso. Then you're just making a mockery of everything. Not not yet. Not now. I'm sorry. You can't do it. We. Thank God we need to take a break because I need to take some some deep breaths. <laughs> apparently, well, go, go well, settle yourself down. Yeah, I got to settle myself down. It's a good thing I'm in studio today. Cesar Perez has the oxygen tank over on the other side, so I'll get some of that coming up. We're going to have more Bulls talk with Cody Westerland at 11:40, but let's start some of our Bears talk next, and we will hear from the play-by-play man of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he gave us a hack on how the Bears potentially could exploit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is coming up next. It's Espo and Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Honestly, I felt really good when I was in my element. Um, last week was my first time really playing nickel, um, and not just inside man, but actually having to have zone drops and things like that. Um, that was pretty tough, um, especially going against a high-level quarterback and receiver like that. So, I mean, just being able to get more reps at it, I feel like it would allow me to get more comfortable. But when I was in my element on the outside, I feel like I did really, really good. With Antonio Brown out for Tampa Bay on Sunday, it is likely that that guy from whom you just heard here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score, Jalen Johnson, probably cover Mike Evans, probably be the guy. Maybe they go to more of a traditional sides thing with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and let Kendallville Door get on in mm-hmm. on the, the action either way. So it is you know down to those couple of uh, guys that, that he would probably – Covers. We welcome you back into Saturday Suckage along with Mike Esposito. I'm Mark Grody, and we're going to talk more Bulls here in just a little bit with uh, Cody Westerland. I see you guys are hot for the Bulls, and we'll, we, I promise you we'll get back into them in just a little bit. But let's talk about the Bears a little bit as we attempt to figure out ways, Espo, 
in which the Chicago Bears can win the game on Sunday because there are not a whole lot of bright spots and matchups in which the Bears can exploit. But there is actually one area, and Gene Deckerhoff, who is the longtime play-by-play guy for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was on Bears All-Access right here on 670 The Score, and he was talking to Jeff Joniak and Mm -hmm. Tom Thayer about some of the ways that – or a way the Bears may be able to, eh, I don't know, win, but exploit. Defending the pass has been a problem this year because of injuries. Our defensive numbers would be a, a whole lot better if we could stop other teams' passing attack. But when you lose Sean Murphy Bunning in the first game, Carlton Davis goes down. We played the last two games without Antoine Winfield. Those are, three, those are our three best defensive backs. And then we pick up Richard Sherman, who comes up with a hamstring issue. So uh, the Buccaneers, we may be last in the league in defending the pass all season long until we get some healthy bodies back there. Uh, the linebacker crew, I wouldn't trade them for anybody in the world. Uh, they look like those Chicago Bears linebackers crews in days gone by. But uh, Devin White is the real deal. Uh, and Levante David, he's he's hampered with a high ankle injury, although Coach Bruce Arian said in his presser on Tuesday that he has hopes he might be able to play. But those two together are as good as any tandem of inside linebackers in the conference. And what we're trying to figure out with that front five, why we can't get more sacks, we should have double the sacks that the Buccaneers have had. Maybe it has to do with the quarterbacks we have faced, which are mobile quarterbacks, tough to sack. And, uh, you know, by the time you get up to them, it's like, you know, watch Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Every time he's almost sacked, he throws the ball away. And, And so that may be the reason why our sack numbers are down. But uh, it, should, it should be way up there. But, uh, yeah, the secondary is going to be – that's going to be – I hate to use the term Achilles heel because we have a, a, a tight end coming back off an Achilles injury, but that's the Achilles heel of the Buccaneer defense. All right. That, that was the, yeah. the booming <laughs> 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 He was blowing the speakers out of your radio, as Zach Zaidman would say. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's he's great, but it does he does, like he's got like his voice is FM. His voice is yes. stereo, and it does sound like as a, a texture said, this guy sounds like the speakers are blown. It does a little bit. It didn't sound like that when I was listening to it. But what do you think of that, Espo? I mean that that is a way. Yeah. And sometimes when it's the home team guy, they'll exaggerate a little bit, just kind of throwing a bone to the local guys but there is something there right absolutely no and and Sherman is out and and we just heard that but so my concern is is exactly what we were saying as as I'm listening to that the Bears weakness so far despite the uh, you know offensive uh, tendencies of one Matt Nagy their weakness has been the passing game They've been able to win games because they've been able to run the football. And, um, you know, in terms of yards per game, the Bears are way down at the bottom with the Jets. Um, they are, they are, um, that's where they struggle. So I would love, let's put it this way. I would love to see a breakout Justin Fields game where he throws for 350 and three touchdowns and the Bears win. I don't know that that's likely, but I think it's certainly, you're talking about Tampa's weakness. Their replacement corner, and I'm going to put Richard Sherman in that category now. I'm not saying he's bad, but he was on the street at the beginning of the yep. season. He's now out with that hamstring injury. Um, so let's let's attack it. I want to see it for sure. And if they're not, as Gene said, if they're not getting to the quarterback, if the powerful front of that team that, you know, Vita Vea's name has probably been uttered more than any this week, I feel like, on the score 
you know, Jason Pierre-Paul and uh, Levante David. Actually, he's out. I should say Devin yep, White David in. Yep. So you have formidable guys on those first and second levels, but apparently they're not getting the same kind of pressure. So, yeah, I do think, like, my, my first thought going to the Hallis Hall yesterday, thinking about how the Bears could win, one of the ways is, is, yeah, to really let Justin Fields loose in this game. And you can do that. You can figure out ways to get, you know, to devise deep plays for Justin Fields, more running plays, figure out bigger, ch- and even Cole Komet going downfield, which we've seen a mm-hmm. lot of attempts that way, which I really like. They have not connected the way I would like to see those two connect, but they have at least tried that. And one of the things that I brought up yesterday, Espo, is do the Bears want to win this game or do they want to survive this game? Because I think that's a real question. If the Bears want to survive this game, then they just go with what they've done the last couple of weeks, and that is being, you know, averaging 129 rushing yards per game. If they want to win this game, as Seal would tell us, you gotta you gotta go out and get a little bit crazy. You gotta get a little <laughs> bit crazy and you gotta open things up and you gotta do things differently than you have, or you will lose by what everybody is saying that they're gonna lose by 14 plus or whatever that case is. So do the Bears want to win, or do they want to keep it keep it close and not get embarrassed? Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know what Matt Nagy would say, and I feel like we maybe got sucked into Saturday morning flashback for a second there. In 1991, Seal was going to give us a little crazy, but uh, <laughs> I pulled up while, while you were making your point, I pulled up the offensive stats yards per game, and it's even uglier than you thought because the Bears are dead last in the NFL in offensive yards per game at 246 yards per game. The Jets, with Zach Wilson and all their problems, uh, are 267. The Dolphins are next worst at 290. Most teams are way above 300. Dallas leads the league with 460. They are almost two, They are more than 200 yards per game higher than the Bears. That is obviously not going to cut the mustard against Tom Brady and company. But I think, listen, if you're the Bears, and I mean, what do you have to lose at this point? You have And you have Allen Robinson, you have Darnell Mooney, you have Cole Komet coming off of uh, a, a nice game for him. You know, numbers modest for other tight ends, but as, as a Bears tight end, four for 47 or whatever it was uh, last week is, is about as good as it's gotten for a tight end here in a long time. Let's air it out. Let's try it. You're not going to win the game. Uh, doing things the other way and, and managing 246 yards per game. Right. just not. Right. I mean, yeah, that, that is only, one of the only ways you're going to win. On all, and, and we saw it last week against the Packers, where what was going well for the Bears previous to the Packers game and the way the Bears had won games was, yeah, by, by running the ball. But it was against teams that were lesser than. Detroit, and there's a lot of people who think that even going into that game that the Raiders were not that good, and obviously since the Gruden stuff took place, they're a mess, and who knows what was going through their heads that night. You, you were able to win those games with, with that game plan, with that running game plan. Then along come the Packers, and yeah, it was a good start to that game, but you, you quickly realized that you weren't going to win that that game without somebody throwing the football and because Justin Fields ain't there yet he's just not there yet you didn't win that game you couldn't win that game and you can't win this game unless you have big things from Justin Fields on Sunday and I don't know if that's realistic Mike I don't know like at this point is it realistic to think that Justin Fields can go out there and win a game for you because that's the only way like other than turnovers and something great on special teams Justin Fields has to be like big time in this game. And I don't know if that's realistic, is it? I, I, I don't know that it's realistic, but I think, you know, when you're facing a team like Tampa, I mean, listen, you have the benefit of no Antonio Brown and no Rob Gronkowski. So they're third and fourth receivers. Although, 
you know, it's not Godwin and Evans. It's still nice that you don't have to deal with those guys, right? I mean, those are huge options on a potent offense. And Tom Brady, as everyone knows, is the best at quick decision-making, finding the open guys, helping to scheme guys open, right? I mean, the reason that Tom Brady is thought of as the GOAT, uh, certainly one of the main reasons is just his smarts and how quick he is out there with the football. So not having those guys is a benefit to the Bears' defense. You still have to get in there. I don't know that you're going to pick Tom Brady three times in this game, right? I mean, that's very unlikely. Uh, Your turnover opportunities will likely be limited in the passing game. So you're going to have to score points. I think, and this is my opinion, at this point, why not? You haven't tried it yet with Justin Fields. You've tried to protect him running the football as you have. And it's been effective and great. And it worked wonderfully against the Raiders and it worked against the Lions. But as you saw, and you mentioned it last week, right? As soon as it didn't work against the Packers, you you had not nearly enough points to even make that one uh, something that you could win. All right. uh, We saw Aaron Rodgers with his championship belt uh, as a result. Mike, I know we need to take a break and reassess when I see this text from the 708 that says, just so you know, you are capital letters, not sucking. I'm loving this conversation. We need to regroup. You, me, and Cesar Perez need to talk about this and figure out how we could be worse during the break. When we come back, though, (laughs) let's get back to Bulls. I want to say one more thing about Alex Caruso, who I like a lot, by the way. I do want to say one more thing about Alex Caruso, and then right after that we will bring in Cody Westerland. He covers every single Bulls game for 670thescore.com. He was at the Bulls game last night. Looking forward to getting his insights on the Bulls' 128-112 to win over New Orleans. Orleans, along with Mike Esposito, who is in for Steve Rosenblum. I'm Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Works on Devontae Graham. Here is Zach, leans over the balance, left hand triple drive to the rim with a riddle with the right hand, off the glass, count it, and a foul. Zach Levine with a Zach attack to the rack and one. Only the Bulls, only the Bulls, only the one and only Chicago Everybody got theirs last night for the Bulls in a 128-112 win over New Orleans. Zach Levine, Zach, 32 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, didn't even score a bucket until about 5.5 minutes to go in the second quarter, and the Bulls were up 10 at that time. I thought that was one of the best, most encouraging signs in the game as we welcome you back in on the Rosenblum and Grody Show with Mike Esposito in for Rosie today. I'm Mark Grody. This is the score, and before we get to Cody Westerland, who covers the Bulls for us for 670thescore.com, a quick text message on 575. Alex Caruso reminds me of Rodman. Similar energy. I did not take the crowd chanting MVP as derogatory towards the actual title. I took it as the crowd recognizing him and welcoming him. I did use a wrong word earlier. I said that the crowd was mocking him. They were not mocking him. I know I know what they're doing. They, no. they, 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 they love him, and that's cool. So it was not mocking, but it was wholly I- ironic. And just the juxtaposition of the crowd chanting MVP for Zach Levine, where you're like, yeah, that actually makes sense. This could be the next step. If, if Levine keeps playing like he has or seems to be determined to, he could be. And then they chanted for Caruso. So that was the part I didn't like. Like, we can't do it for everybody who's your favorite player when they step. And, and even though I'm sure Zach Levine was smiling and he thinks it's funny, there's got to be a part to him. And maybe DeRozan and Vucevic are like, what the hell? How come I, Where's my MVP chance? So that's all I'm saying, Aspo. Does it make sense? It makes sense. I get it. Uh, we, we, we make fun of uh, you saying, you know, you're the get off my lawn guy with the Bulls early in the season. But I think <clears throat> I think you explained it perfectly. You're just 
you're trying to make sure that when they're saying it for Zach, that they mean it. Right. And that welcome Caruso in, in your all your other Chant, fun-loving ways. But you have name. one MVP candidate. Chant right, you have name. one MVP candidate. Car- Car- I know that's a hard one to chant, though. It's not like Nocioni. Uh, chant his name. <laughs> do some Alex Caruso. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, do that. That's fine. Like, chanting the name is fine. But the MVP, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Ever- Everyone shave your heads and wear and wear headbands to the game. Oh, That's Mike, what you need Mike, to do for Mike, Alex Caruso. Mike, let's not encourage the folks. <laughs> <laughs> let's bring in uh, Cody Westerland. He covers the Bulls for 670thescore.com. Cody, what's going on, man? Cody, I just want to make one point clear. You said then they were chanting MVP for Alex Caruso. No, no, he got the first MVP <laughs> chance of the season with a second mm-hmm. quarter free throw on an and one play. And then in the second half, they gave Zach Levine the MVP chance. So well, okay. the, the first official chance did come for Alex Caruso before Zach Levine this year. Am I crazy for thinking that was ridiculous? Just chant his name, don't chant MVP? No, I don't think you're crazy. I certainly got a big chuckle out of it. He's, uh, it was, as you just pointed out, a term of endearment because the part that got me in the preseason, maybe like one of the highlights of the preseason was like, the massive roar and ovation he got in the Bulls preseason opener at the United Center. Uh-huh. It was so loud for him. Like, <laughs> not, not, mm-hmm. not, not MJ gets announced loud, uh-huh. but like louder than usual for anyone entering a game. So like before he even played a game, Bulls fans were loving him before he even dove on the floor. So um, certainly a guy that uh, I think the fan base is going to come to appreciate and are already doing that because a lot of the traits that he brings are things that the Bulls needed, and that's better defense, better on-ball defense, a little more energy, and just a little bit more stability off the second unit. But let's talk about the actual MVP candidate on the roster, Cody, and we talked about it in the first segment uh, that, you know, here's a guy who has improved his game every year. Last night in particular, he did not uh, start out particularly hot. In fact, had a, probably the worst first quarter he's had in a while uh, with no points. And then once he finally started scoring, uh, he didn't stop. And Zach, to me, has really improved his game uh, year on year on year as he's been here with the Bulls. What, what do you think? I mean, he's been amazing so far. I think it's 66 points in 67 minutes. And I think 22 or 36, I think, from the field, like his efficiency has been remarkable in two games. And again, the Bulls have played two bad teams. They handled the business like they needed to. What I liked, I liked more in the opener, more than his 34 points, was how he kind of just took control and approached the game, right? Like, he didn't have a huge first quarter or first half, but kind of established himself a little bit more in the second half against the Pistons when the Bulls were down for much of that game, obviously, and uh, not doing their job. And like, he felt like, hey, you know, I'm the star. We got to go here in the third quarter. And that's what he did. Got to the hoop more, knocked down a couple jumpers, just took control of the offense when it was not humming by any means in the Bulls' opener against the Pistons. So, like, to me, sometimes that's more important, the final result, than what Zach Levine's final line is. You can't be losing to the Pistons this year if you're the Bulls, and your star player has to be the one to make sure you're not losing a game you shouldn't. So what could have been a four-point loss for the Bulls turned into a six-point win in the opener because Zach Levine was really efficient and chose his spots well. He didn't go too early like he led his teammates. I mean, Vucevic had 100 shots, it seemed like, in the paint that didn't go in in the opener. Like, his teammates were getting good shots, but when he realized his teammates weren't doing their job at the level the Bulls needed him to, he took over, and he didn't wait too long to do that. So I thought that was just a window into his maturity a little bit in the opener, and then certainly last night was fun. I mean, he was scoreless for the first 18 minutes of the game, then scored 
20 points in a stretch of like five and a half minutes, 550 in the second quarter, and just went from like zero to 60 like that. And the Bulls were in control throughout the whole game. And he gets hot with the best of them in the NBA. Like, I mean, we saw it there a couple of years ago um, against the Hornets when he went on a three-point barrage. But like, Zach can fill it up. I know everyone loves gambling in this world. You're looking at him and you're taking like over under on points and you're worried about Zach Levine's got zero. And the next thing you know, he's got 20. Like, no one in the NBA heats up quite like him sometimes. Or there's a very select few. Guys like Steph Curry certainly can. Like, he's up there with the best at him about putting points on the board in quick fashion. Yeah, it go, it turns into that category of, from the opposition's perspective, not fair. Because ju- just when you think he's going to pop another three, he says, oh, the hell with it. I'm going to take this really quick first step and one dribble, and I'm going to get to the basket now, and I'm going to dunk on, your, on you. So there there is a, a true danger about Zach Levine. Lonzo Ball last night... Cody, triple-double, 17-10-10. He gets the uh, the final assist in dramatic fashion to our guy, Alex Caruso, who jammed it in. Isn't it just so nice to see a real point guard out on the floor for the Bulls? I mean, that game from Lonzo last night was sensational. I mentioned this to a buddy. Like, it's it's only been six games of watching Lonzo, and only two of them mattered here in the regular season. But, like, just the more you watch him early on, the little bit we've seen, like, the more offended I actually am about how the Bulls addressed and attacked their point guard position for the last five seasons. Like, it's not for a lack of trying for the Bulls and their point guard woes for five years after they traded Derrick Rose to the Knicks. Like, they went through a lot of people, there's no doubt. Like, Jaron Grant, Michael Carter-Williams. You got Rajon Rondo, Thomas Sadoransky. You got Kobe White. I'm sure I'm missing people. Chris Dunn, everyone. Like, Mm -hmm. the Bulls tried really hard, (laughs) but they just threw backup point guards and role players at that position for five straight years. And they did not use their resources in a way that um, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley prioritized here um, this offseason when the Bulls, you pay 80 million to Lonzo and you also sign and trade some guys. Like you give up a little bit too to make sure you get them. Like that's a lot of resources. And you saw why, like a bigger deal than the 17, 10 and 10 triple double line was, he played 35 minutes and didn't have a turnover. Like mm. That's a huge mm-hmm. deal. And another thing that needs to be pointed out, DeMar DeRozan played 32 minutes and had one turnover. Like That's a lot of minutes from two guys in your starting lineup who had the ball in their hands a ton last night. And that's part of the reason Zach Levine can play off the ball a little bit more, the ball in the hands of Lonzo and DeMar. They combined for one turnover with the ball in their hands for so long. Like That is a massive key for the Bulls this season. And you're seeing why the front office prioritized these guys, because even when they do some subtle things like just not making a mistake is not going to like go in the box score is some big deal. But when you give yourself, you know, five, six, seven extra possessions or shots in a game and you have good shooters and efficient guys like Zach Levine and some of these other guys like your offense really has a much, much higher ceiling and the other team isn't going the other way for an easy bucket and transition on a layup or dunk or anything. So Lonzo was spectacular like. He just, and I think it's going to get better too. Like there's some cases like the Bulls aren't ready for his passes or they don't see what he sees. Like they get the pass and they don't realize that he passed it to them to pass Mm -hmm. back to him or someone else. Like there's opportunity there when you're sitting floor level watching it, like a few cuts that like you can see Lonzo saw something that his teammates might not have. So he sees the game so well. It's so fun. Like him passing the ball in the fast break too, like oh, you better when you give it great. up to Lonzo, you better expect to get it back immediately because that's what he does. 
No, uh, Cody Westerland is our guest here uh, talking Bulls on the score. And, Cody, I thought the same thing. I thought it in preseason. But as you said, right, I mean, you have uh, only two games that have mattered. But even in the preseason, it was fun watching and it was good to see what an actual uh, talented point guard brought uh, to this group. Uh, and and I'm excited about it. I know, listen, they're, they're, they may not win the championship uh, this year, uh, but it's a lot more exciting Uh brand of basketball, and I think Bulls fans are embracing it already. Uh, our friend uh, Joe Cowley, who we love in the Sun-Times this morning, was already concerned about Patrick Williams, so I wanted to ask your opinion uh, as he's kind of been eased back in from that ankle injury. Uh, what do you think for Patrick Williams in terms of uh, picking up the pace and, and acclimating to more minutes? Yeah, he's been okay at best. I mean, I guess that's that's kind of a ho-hum response, right? Like, I don't think he's been horrible. Like, I, I'm not focused on his offense at all so like I don't care that he scored six points in the opener and eight points last night like that doesn't matter that much to me because no matter what what he does like if he's the best offensive version of himself this year he can be he's still going to be the number five option on this offense like that's just the way it is you know what I mean the ball's going to be in the hands of the other four so I'm not grading him by his points or anything but I didn't like in the opener. I think he had one rebound in like 26, 28 minutes. Like mm-hmm. rebounding is going to be a problem for this team um, when they play good opponents. And Patrick Williams is a starting power forward playing a lot of minutes. He's got to have more rebounds. I didn't like that from him. I thought his defense in the opener was was fine. I didn't think it was quite as good as it should have been last night. Like Brandon Ingram lit him up a little bit after a slow start for Ingram. Um, so I just... There has to be more from him. The Bulls certainly need that, but I just I'm not grading him on his box score points at the end of the game or shots. Like a lot of people are getting all worked up like, "Oh, Patrick Williams didn't have a quick trigger or he he didn't go to the hoop really hard as soon as he got the swing pass." Well, you know what? If he swings the ball another pass to Zach Levine, that's probably a better outcome for the Bulls on the possession anyway. Or if he gets the ball to Vucevic in the post, like that's probably um, going to be a better outcome. Like they're just better offensive basketball players than him. So yeah. like I almost view his timidness as as okay on offense in a way. Like if he's wide open, he needs to shoot the three because that's part of the system in the basketball. But it's fine if to me if he takes a backseat on offense and is a little bit timid in some ways, so long as he's not completely stunning the entire possession by passing up the obvious shot or pass or something he should do, which I don't think he passes up the obvious shot too often to a point of hurting the Bulls. But it's just defensively, like, he's going to have to be good um, for this team to accomplish some of its lofty goals, which is not just getting to the playoffs, but making a little bit of noise and being more than a 500 team. And he has phenomenal defensive potential just because of his frame and you can see the flashes and the smarts but like he's a step slow sometimes on defense in some ways or he doesn't rotate um to the spot he needs to and he's 20 years old like this is expected it's going to take time but it's kind of crazy for the bulls right like he's their most important young player um just by virtue of being one of the sole young players truly young guys they have on the team. Certainly Zach Levine is not old at 26 years old or anything, but when you're looking at that real young crop, like it's him and Kobe White and nothing else from these four or five years of rebuilding the Bulls have had. So I want to just see him do a little bit more by way of rebounding and that help defense and and shutting guys down a little bit more, making it a little bit harder. Like he's going to guard a lot of good guys. They're going to get their points, but maybe make it a little bit more harder. So 
Long story short, I'm judging him on defense actually more than offense. I yeah, think. and for whatever it's worth, he did hit that rainbow three from the corner after yeah. he, he hesitated a little bit and is like, there's nobody guarding me. I'm going to go ahead and take this shot, and and he did. Great stuff as always, Cody. Cody, aren't you doing like regular hits this year for on the Lawrence Holmes show? I'm on at 12:20 or 12:25 with Lawrence on Tuesdays. So awesome. happy to talk about a lot of bowls. They they play a lot of Monday games too this year just by looking at the schedule. So sh- so we should have a lot to react to on Tuesdays this year. Thanks, Cody. Awesome. You're the goods, man. Have a good rest of the show, guys. All right, that is uh, Cody Westerland. A couple of great text messages have come out while we've been talking to Cody Westerland of 670thescore.com. Both great. Grody sounding like TLR, cheering for MVP to Levine as long as it is sincere. (laughs) I think you mean Caruso. I will absolutely Uh take that. Yes, I do want sincerity in the MVP chant. Can you sprint out to home plate like that, though, Grody? That's a great way to cover this. I do think that MVP chant should be sincere and not ironic i will stand by that so if you want to chant caruso's name great but not mvp let's not do that that's designated for realness in my world the other great text espo yes <laughs> good, morning, good morning mark grody and the other guy with you the bulls are going to win a lot of games benjamin from elmers benjamin is the best and benjamin meet mike esposito esposito Hi, benjamin. Meet, meet benjamin <laughs> It's nice to meet you. I was once on this show. It's not my show, but I've been on this show, but it's not my show. Right. Get to know Espo. Just because he's got a real job, unlike the rest of us, doesn't mean he's just the other guy with you. That is, that just, oh, there's another one. Good morning, Mark Grody and the other guy with you. The Bulls are going, oh, that's that's a real I think he reset that one. Okay. It is funny. I saw that. I'm like, wait a second. I'm the other guy. That's me. Woohoo. That's you. That's you. That is Mike Esposito. I'm Mark Grody. We've got Mark Potash coming up to talk Bears with us in 20 minutes at 1220. And right after this fast break, we will talk more about the Chicago Bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Hey, ba- T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.